0: Hello and welcome back to the Asset Allocator podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Baxter. I'm the funds editor on Investors Chronicle, and today it's myself and David Thorpe, contributing editor on Asset
1: Allocator. Uh, David, how are you doing? Morning, Dave. I'm uh, very good, thank you. Feeling uh, f- feeling a bit a bit tired because it's because uh, I had to work on a Monday, and who remembers working on a Monday after all those bank <laughs> holidays? But there you go.
0: It is it is a tough life, isn't it? um but hopefully some of the uh, the hard work recently has been going into um our uh, or as allocators annual hundred club um awards which we'll be sort of digging into today um so the guys have been sort of running the the data um i suppose just for some context hundred club looks at some of the uh, kind of short-term and long-term uh, outperforming funds and groups Um, And then some selectors look at uh, kind of which names um, stand out. Uh, But David, you've been uh, kind of looking through some of the results and we do look across all sort of different sectors. Um, What interesting kind of trends are are popping up this year as we look at that?
1: Well, indeed. So as you say, we look at the one year uh, total return and the five year (coughs) uh, total return uh, across the different sectors. categories we include both open and closed ended uh, funds and uh, we create shortlists and from the shortlist a panel of external judges uh, give us their wisdom and uh, come up with uh, winners one of well I guess there, there are a couple of trends to stand out this year one is the relatively strong performance of what I suppose you'd call boutique type uh, asset management uh, firms I mean some of the big names have have won in some of the categories as well, in global equity, fidelity, global industrials performed strongly in Japanese equities. M and G Japan did did very well, but also boutiques in the mixed asset category. I uh, Orbis Global Balanced Fund, for example, uh, which is in the forty to eighty five shares uh, sector, that beat uh, a couple of um big name big name houses win that the same in the in the north america sector and i guess look every fund house in the world has a has a north america uh, equity fund but uh the title there went to congest growth america i have to confess i don't know very much about congest and you know that's a pattern that continues uh Uh, across the the list uh, in Asia Pacific again you know among the shortlisted uh, fund houses there you had Fidelity, Invesco and MNG but it actually went to Pacific Assets Trust which is run by Stewart Investors which I guess are certainly in, in the UK or in the advisor market still count as a boutique. So that yeah. I guess those are the, the those are the, that was the that was the biggest trend that boutiques punching um punching above their above their waist.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose it'd be interesting to think. I mean, I, I guess in terms of what the likes of wealth managers actually back, um, be interesting to know whether DFMs are kind of sticking or going for boutiques. I suppose more in some of those areas where you perhaps have to dig a bit deeper for for kind of. More value from active. You know, you mentioned the US, and of course, the US is notoriously, or was notoriously, difficult to outperform. Um, so perhaps we would see people going beyond the kind of usual buy lists, and you know, looking for more niche names.
1: Sure, I also think that there's a real, almost consensus in the in the market now that um, that uh, larger funds uh, do, do do less do less well than than smaller. Uh, than smaller houses and uh, with that in mind uh, maybe that, that supports the case for boutiques. Just to give you a concrete example um, that congest fund which I mentioned uh, won, won the uh, US category Congest Growth America is not held by any of the allocators on our database and never has been uh, our data goes back to 2018.
0: Okay, interesting interesting
1: um, I suppose we do still have a
0: few of the kind of the the, the big favourite names, don't we? If you if you kind of look through, um, but um, yeah, it does does seem to be does seem to be quite quite
1: a mix. Indeed, uh, I mean, Fidelity uh, smaller uh, companies won won the UK small smaller sector. That's obviously a very well known uh, fund. It was managed for a long time by Alex Rice, who now runs the Fidelity special situations fund and it perhaps says something about um about the strength of fidelity smaller company franchise that they're able to do the thing that's so difficult for fund houses to do which is um succession planning alex wright's move to special sits had been well flagged but he moved and the replacement manager came in and was able to to uh, handle it, um, to, to handle it well, or to deliver relatively, relatively uh, decent performance. I mean, t- it, that fund, Fidelity UK Smallers, really oh. did. Um, re- it's now managed by Jonathan Winton and Jack Jones, but it really did um, outperform very strongly against everything else. Its five-year total return of one hundred and eighty-nine percent was a full. Thirty percentage points better than the next best performer on that on the five and one year uh, criteria, um, so that that shows you, I guess, how how strongly uh, that that did. Um, another trend, I guess, is that that that's obviously um that's obviously um that's a fund that's in in with with some big names. I mean, there's a BlackRock. And then Artemis and Arbeforth, who have who are a boutique but have a strong reputation uh, in that space, are also are also there. Um, and in the UK categories generally, I mean, I guess there's been a bit of a. I think people might be a bit chary of uh, investing with big name managers because we've had uh, uh, in the equity income sector, which which obviously has had some of the biggest names around. Uh, we had. Uh, even load income won that Now that's not a small fund it's it's three point5 billion in size, but uh, Hugh Yarrow, Ben Peters, and the team at even Load, they're not they're not based in London. They run I think sort of two two or three funds. so they're very much in the boutique category, but they defeated uh, some some very strong names in that uk um in that UK equity. Uh, sector including uh, Linsl Train uh, UK and 91 UK equity income. And then in the dedicated equity income sector, that was actually won by an investment trust, Merchants Trust, from Allianz. That's 843 million in size. And another theme in the data this year is the extent to which uh, investment trusts made a, a comeback. Uh, last year, so 2022, was the first year that I uh, was part of the team putting together the 100 Club and part of that and I was uh, assigned uh, to look at the investment trusts and uh, there wasn't a lot of joy to be to be had there. This year uh, I wasn't assigned the investment trust I was given the open ended funds as an act of charity I think and guess what the investment <laughs> trust did well. Uh, so um, yeah I, I mean I mentioned earlier personal assets trust won the merchants investment trust also won its its category Um so, so that was definitely uh, one of the themes this year—a a sort of bouncing back of right. of um, of in, of investment trusts within within that, and you know, it's it's very much a running theme within asset allocator that uh, uh, DFMs don't really own trusts, and the reasons for that right. are well well known and well well established. But it does show, I guess, that there is some opportunity there if one can. Uh, if one can own them, if one's if the liquidity concerns can be can be overcome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose you to some extent you'll be seeing that um, natural sort of gearing effects kicking in, won't you? And that you know trusts kind of they fall a bit harder on the way down, but then they kind of come back stronger. Than, um
1: yes, on, on... if they use a lot of gearing, yeah, that's the case. I mean, the yeah. other the other scenario is, uh, I mean. They're in a position where they usually uh, they they get very long term debt, like it could be thirty year debt. So mm-hmm. unlike us poor mortgage holders, uh, they are uh, they are in very low interest rates for for thirty years. That does aid performance in the in the good years and give them give them out help with outperformance. But in the bad years, uh, obviously they're still paying an interest rate on the borrowed money, which takes which takes a little bit away.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and perhaps I, don't know, I, was, I was just wondering. Perhaps the moment has passed. If, if DFMs did want to sort of load load up more into trusts to try and kind of catch, you know, something that might might recover a bit more strongly, if um, if the current rally is, you know, going to be sustained. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think the the consensus in the the consensus in the industry tends to be that they don't want to own more than ten percent. Uh, that wealth managers don't want to own more than. Uh, more than a certain um, percentage, but it does vary. For example, I know that the uh, the investment managers at uh, Evelyn Partners so not the DFM team run by James Barnes, but the investment individual investment managers there uh, have been buying the Ashoka uh, investment trust, which which came to market earlier this year, and that te- that company's clients own eighteen. Uh, percent of that that's not a particularly large trust but the point is that it's individual clients making decisions it's not the the centralized um investment uh, team or dfm team run by james barnes that are making those decisions but i guess that shows you know there there is some demand out there from the private uh client side maybe rather than the than the discretionary side yeah
0: yeah and and otherwise have we seen any kind of um Asset I mean, you mentioned kind of the split between boutiques and big names, but are there any kind of um, investment groups that we've seen, especially stand out this year, or kind of um, perhaps some have come back after uh, you know some some more difficult years?
1: Sure. Well, uh, funny you should mention that. One of the uh, things that we we do look at, and, and you know, I guess it's it's uh, it's something that the judges picked picked up uh, is the large uh, investment group is one of the. Uh, Award categories. The shortlist for that is compiled by simply counting up how many firms won or were nominated in the you know the individual investment sector categories, and Fidelity actually uh, won that. The shortlist was M and G, Fidelity, Janice Henderson, BlackRock, and Ninety One, all behemoth firms. Um, but Fidelity won that, which may speak to the um rally that value type equities have had this year, um, and that maybe has has helped has helped them uh, take take that title. Um, it's, I mean, it's also worth saying that they they won three of the individual categories, uh, which probably explains it. They won European equity with Fidelity, European uh, trust. They won um, global equity, as mentioned earlier, with Fidelity Global Industrials. And uh, as mentioned, they won uh, UK uh, smaller companies, so that they they've had a, a very strong year. So uh, the drinks are on those guys, which is convenient because their office is next to ours. No, um, <laughs> and then in the small to mid cap mid sized investment group that went to Polar Capital, which um, I mean maybe, maybe there's a slight surprise there because Polar Capital are very much associated with. With, uh, with technology uh, and, and tech was not uh, the wonderful place to be in 2022 but they did win one of the categories which is specialist sector and assets uh, which they won with the Polar Capital Global Insurance Fund and it's not a surprise that that fund had a good year because insurance um, companies or insurance assets uh, do very well when interest rates rise because they can earn a little bit more from all of those lovely premiums that we all that we all pay that they have to uh, that they uh, that they retain back. Hmm.
0: Yes. <laughs> um. I suppose finally it would just be interesting to see whether some of these kind of niche niche funds hold up. Um. I know, for example, there's a you know an an, an industrials equity funds that sort of made the uh, made the cut.
1: Yeah. Um, so that that's Fidelity Global and Industrials. Oh. And look. Um. Tw- you know. Twenty twenty two was. Uh, was a good year to be to be in that side of the line with sort of supply chain uh, disruption mm. um, and probably helping uh, helping on the on the pricing uh, side and just economies reopening generally. But there is a continued theme in markets and in macroeconomics, which is there is a, a shift globally in demand away from goods and towards services people are prioritizing spending on services because that's what they couldn't spend on in the times of restrictions so you know they then they bought things like exercise bikes or or garden sheds or other hard goods because what else could they do and now they're thinking well i never want to see that bike again or maybe that's just me um but they're moving into services and going to going to restaurants and bars etc so Maybe there's a big thematic macro trend away from industrial assets, so it'll be interesting to see how, how funds that are positioned in that way cope. That Fidelity Global Industrials Fund is at uh, 266 million in size. Its five-year total return was 72 percent, and that's actually lower than the five-year return of some of the other funds on the short list, but it's one-year return. Was uh, sufficiently high uh, to make it um, to, to make it the winner in, in in that in that category. But yeah, as as you say, it will be interesting to see when we come and look at this data um, at this time next year, which uh, types of funds and categories uh, were, were the winners from the year of twenty twenty three. Um, the market's not giving us much help now. We've probably had. Um a spell where value did well, a spell where growth did well, a spell where defensive did well, and maybe more recently a spell where hiding your cash under the bed and getting a shotgun <laughs> did well. So uh we don't have a category for that. But yeah, uh, so we'll see we'll see next year how uh, uh, how those things uh how those things do.
0: Yeah, we did uh, last year in particular we saw we, we saw certain sectors do especially well. Um and we saw a real curve kind of dividing line there. So that'll it would be interesting to see if that' Sort of thing persists, or we see a bit of, um, yeah, I say normalization. Um, but, um, yeah, lots, lots of interesting, um, things to pick apart there. Um, but I'm afraid that is all we have time for. Um, David, thanks for your time as always, and thank you for listening.
2: Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do,